morning. I'm glad to see you here. I said, I prayed that you'd come. I don't normally do that. I don't know why, but I don't normally do it. But I did. I said, Lord, make that sunshine just pop, and they'll say, it's an okay day. We'll go. And here you are. So that's good. Uh, Ashley, loving Absalom. Okay? She does a podcast of this each week. Did you all know that? You can, uh, if you miss once, you can pick it up on a podcast, okay? So uh, I appreciate her doing that. That's pretty nice. We've got a lot of good things going on. What I love my church. Y'all love your church? Several of you are from here, and you, you love this place. We poured our hearts and our souls into it, didn't we, into our churches, into building them. And we're praying that those altars are going to be filled with people that are finding Christ. We pray that bodies would be healed, didn't we? that marriages would be restored, and there would be a hope and a future there for our children. And I wonder, <laughs> considering the state of the world, if Jesus tarries, what our churches will be like in 50 years with all the pressure that's coming against them? How strong 50 years from now, when this godless majority steamrolls over us at the rate that it's going now. And you know, what I say next that's going to go over your head because we hear it so much. God sent his son to die so that the lost would be saved. And we've all known that always, so we just kind of don't pay attention anymore. But do you understand he's passionate about that? And we, we, we just hardly register with that. But wake up to this addition. And then his son said to us, would you please go and do the same? Would you do that? I've been given an assignment, and so have you. And it's populate, listen, the new heaven and the new earth. That's what we're populating. You got that? The new heaven and the new earth. See, it's not all going to be okay this side of eternity. If it was, we wouldn't need a new heaven and a new earth. We need to be urgent about taking as many to that home as we possibly can. Jesus is obsessed with that. God is obsessed with the lost. But you know what happens with us? We get more angry than we do obsessed. Listen, I get angry with our society. I get mad. What, what about, well, legalizing killing unborn babies makes me mad. And when I consider now that New York says, oh, they can be fully grown in that womb, ready to be born, and you can murder them then, that makes me mad. Legalizing same-sex marriages when God has outlined exactly what a marriage should be. Legalizing recreational drugs. I'm feeling anger about that. Haven't we got enough people killed on the highways right now with, with drunkenness? And now we're going to legalize something else that will make them loopy? I, I don't stop and think that behind this movement, behind it is lost masses heading for hell. And they are Satan's victims behind this. They're victims. Absalom, consider. We're going to be studying about him today. What's wrong with him? What an ungrateful kid he was, killing a brother, planning it years ahead of time, and deciding, now I'm going to kill my dad. I'm going to take his throne. Wanted to be king so bad he'd do anything, anything, and we are indignant. But listen, Absalom was a young man and he got lost on his way to God's destiny, and that is to be pitied. See, Jesus was angry at Satan, but he was tender toward the Absaloms of his day. That girl sleeping around with anybody who would pay her money, pick up a rock. And Jesus knelt down where they had thrown her and said, 
I don't condemn you. Go and sin no more. Chris Kane got to me a few weeks ago, and I took some notes. Jesus wanted to tell us how people get lost. And the three parables in Luke we're so familiar with, Luke 15. I, I, I just want to visit again because he, sp he speaks as he was telling these parables to those Pharisees judgmental around him. He's speaking with a broken heart. There's some sheep. Well, what happened? The little sheep had its head down all day eating a whole lot of grass, just munching away. And it stuck its head up at the end of the day and said, where am I? How did I get here? I'm lost. Was that a big, demonic, evil sheep? No. It's just a sheep that was preoccupied with eating, and it got distracted. And at the end of the day, it was just lost. And we have a whole generation so preoccupied with trying to pay bills and keep marriages together in this day and age and getting their kids through school, holding them together, just getting through this thing called life. And what do they do? They run home to the technology. They got their heads in their phones, something to distract them from this this day-to-day -day stuff. In their business, in their preoccupation, they got lost. And then there's a woman with a coin that was lost. Did that coin get lost on its own? Of course not. That woman was careless. And that coin got lost. We've been careless. Whether we blame the media or the government or the educational system or, or the parents, we were the generation that got careless and they'd gotten lost. We have a generation in the ditches of life because people have been careless. Oh, we're an advanced society, you know, just let this in and let that in and just open up the door because people have a right to choose. <laughs> and a young generation is raised in filth that would have dumbfounded our grandparents. It happened on our watch. The lost generation out there doesn't need us pointing a finger of judgment and condemnation. They need a lot more than that from us. They need to see and feel and experience what it is to be saved, what it is to feel love. They need to hear it from us who have been blessed by salvation. But what about Absalom? You see, he's more like the prodigal. He, he didn't just stray. Someone didn't just lose him. He made his own choices. The prodigal was leaving home. What if you start out in the father's house? and you decide to come out from under that covering and go your own way of your own volition, make unwise choices, and you knew better because you started in the Father's house. They're the ones that we tend to write off. The coin we understand, the preoccupied sheep aren't really too bad, but those who started in the house and walked out. And Jesus would say to us this morning, you know what? It really doesn't matter how. It only matters that they're lost, and I want them found. Maybe young Absalom wasn't really that bad. He was immature. He really miscalculated. He felt abandoned by his father. We know that. And he was enraged that nothing was done about the rape of his sister, and nobody seemed to care about him, the wrongs done to him and his family, until finally, like the misguided prodigal, he just thought life without the father would be better than life with the father. And he walked. That beautiful young man, Absalom, He's going to end up murdered and his body thrown into a pit. Before we judge Absalom, let's see if we got our thinking right. 
Now, I'm going to be a bit facetious here, okay? I'll just warn you ahead of time. But let's see if we think like this at all. Hope not. God help us. I'm not like Absalom. I stayed home. I'm in church, and I'm not world worldly because I don't get drunk. I don't smoke. I don't have tattoos. I don't have piercings. I don't have porn on my computer. I'm careful what I watch, pretty much. I don't do anything too bad. I'm a Christian. I'm, I'm a little fuzzy on what I should be doing, but I sure know what I'm not supposed to do. I'm trying not to watch bad movies. Now, it's hard to find anything on TV, but I'm trying not to do this, and I'm trying not to do that. And hurry up, Jesus, and rapture me so I can just be spared from not doing all these things that I'm tempted to do. I don't spend much time about what I should be doing, but bless God, I'm working hard on not doing. I'm not like Absalom. And we get to thinking that's Christianity. And Christ came from heaven to earth and died on a cross and rose again from the dead so I wouldn't get a tattoo or have a bedtime cocktail. Really? What do you think about that? Hey, if you know, want to know what it's like to live worldly, look in the pages of God's world and find a list in Timothy 3, and you'll go find yourself one way or the other here. Things like lying or envy or greed lust, selfish ambition, fits of rage, had one of those lately, unforgiveness, lovers of self, lovers of money. Listen, listen, having a form of godliness but denying its power. Not much in there about hair length or music style or pre, post, or mid-tribulation. The list shows us that we can never count on our own godliness we can never forget, forget that it is God in us that wills and does the things that are good inside of us. And we can't count on our own goodness because it's, he says, filthy rags compared to God's holiness. You've got to be different to inspire somebody else to be different. That's our job. That's why some people at work find out that we're Christians and they're surprised. Oh, you go to church? I, I didn't know that. You've been working with them for how long? What a shame if we've fallen into Satan's ploy where we say, praise God, I've been redeemed, I've been sanctified and justified by the blood of the Lamb, and as long as I modify my behavior, I'm good. I need to be able to talk the talk. Have you ever noticed how many non-Christians know exactly how a Christian should act? And they hate Christianity. They see it as hypocritical. And Jesus would say to us this morning, girls, would you just get a clue? Would you first love one another and then go out and love the Absaloms of this world and get out into the marketplace? We are not given strength to do witnessing. No, we're not. We are given strength to be witnesses. Be. It's, it's God's intent by the indwelling. We have to be the church. It's not a building. There's a love that the Holy Spirit wants to put inside of us that others can see, that we can really feel and say, Absalom, I am sorry for you. You made so many wrong choices. Nobody tried to stop you. Your daddy didn't. Your brothers didn't. Good friends didn't. Nobody warned you. They just let you live your life, and they lived theirs, and Satan paid more attention to you than the family of God did. You had those encouragers t telling you to do wrong. Evil was right there. 
go ahead and do what you thought you ought to do. We live in a society that is flat out encouraging others to do whatever they want. Call it freedom. Drugs, partying, partying, sex, homosexuality, drunkenness. We're legalizing everything that used to be looked on as just wrong. And the world says, party on. And the poor Absaloms, they've got to hear from the body of Christ. We can't be satisfied just not doing bad. That can't be it for our life. Society tells us, okay, Christians, you got the idea. That's right. Believe what you want, but just sit down and keep it to yourself. Just keep it to yourself. We've got to be proactive now. We've got to pity poor Absalom so messed up in his head. You know, Satan had a party over the pit he was thrown in after he finished with him. And in that pit, it's filled with the bodies of millions of young Absaloms today. And Jesus looked down over his city that he loved, and he wept. Love weeps over those lost in the pit. And I've said all that to say this to you this morning. I know every one of you here, God has someone he wants you to get serious about. Every single one of you. You and I have a prodigal in our life out there somewhere, and that prodigal needs to experience God's love through you. They need direction, and it's going to require action from you. And sure, it starts with prayer. It's backed by prayer, but it requires action. Don't let your prodigal be just another lost soul, eternally lost, because nobody like poor Absalom cared enough to stop them cared enough to come after them and to beg them, to grab them around the knees as they try to walk away and say, don't go away. Don't go away. Do you care enough to take them on? What are you going to do? And that's where I'm going to leave this today. Right now, let's have a prayer for our Absalom. All right? The first thing I want you to do is just close your eyes right now and get that person in mind. It may be more than one. You may be having to make a decision about who it is right now. But get them in your mind and ask God right now in your heart, God, make me care enough about this person to not let them destroy themselves here and have an eternity in hell. God, provide a way. Open a door. Give me the, the strength the determination to step through and to work with my Absalom, the one that's in my life. Have you got that person in mind right now? Father, look in this room. You know my heart. You know who my Absalom is. And Lord, it's hard. But oh Lord, the harder thing will be later on when we know that they have died and gone eternally to live with Satan. Father, open our eyes, open our hearts. Father, they need to see that we love them. They need to know that we care about them. And Father, let's worry more about where they're going to spend eternity than we worry about whether they'll be unhappy with what we say to them. God, wake us up. God, wake us up. Lord, we need your help. 
Lord, what we really need is a filling of the Holy Spirit inside each one of us that is so strong that we get brave, that we know without a doubt you've got a job for us, that we were born for this. We were born to keep people from eternally being separated from your holiness and your presence. So, God, would you help us now? Would you put it on our heart, God, bring intense prayer and then bring action as we give this to you in Jesus' name. Would you all stand with me, please?